the famous five. Five on Kirin Island again. Dedicated to Zora and Jazz. Apologies in advance for misreading, repeating myself, and losing the place. Chapter 6 Up on the Cliff The next day was rainy. The four children put on their Macintoshes and sou'westers and went for a walk with Timmy. They never minded the weather. In fact, Julian said that he really liked the feel of the wind and rain buffeting against his face. We forgot that Uncle Quinton couldn't flash us if the weather wasn't sunny, said Dick. Do you suppose he'll find some way to signal instead? No, said George. He just won't bother. He thinks we're awful fussers anyway. I'm sure. We'll have to watch at half past ten tonight to see if he signals. I say, shall I be able to stay up till then? said Anne, pleased. I should think so, said Dick. I expect Julian and I will stay up, but you kids will have to buzz off to bed. George gave him a punch. Don't call us kids. I'm almost as tall as you are now. It's not much use waiting about till half past ten now to see if Uncle signals us in any way, is it? said Anne. Let's go up to the cliff. It'll be lovely and blowy. Timmy will like that. I love to see him racing along in the wind with his ears blown back straight. Woof, said Timmy. He says he likes to see you with yours blown back too, said Julian gravely. Anne gave a squeal of laughter. You really are an idiot, you. Come on, let's take the cliff path. They went up the cliff. At the top, it was very windy indeed. Anne Sawester was blown to the back of her head. The rain stung their cheeks and made them gasp. I should think we must be about the only people out this morning, gasped George. Well, you're wrong, said Julian. There are two people coming towards us. So there was. There were a man and a boy, both well wrapped up in Macintoshes and sou'westers. Like the children, they too wore high rubber boots. The children took a look at them as they passed. The man was tall and well-built, with shaggy eyebrows and a determined mouth. The boy was about sixteen, also tall and well-built. He was not a bad-looking boy, but he had rather a sullen expression. "'Good morning,' said the man, and nodded. "'Good morning,' chorused the children politely. The man looked them over keenly, and then he and the boy went on. "'Wonder who they are,' said George. "'Mother didn't say there were any new people here.' Just walked over from the next village, I expect, said Dick. They went on for some way. We'll walk to the Coast Guard's cottage and then go back, said Julian. Hey, Tim, don't go so near the cliff. The Coast Guard lived in a little whitewashed cottage on the cliff facing the sea. Two other cottages stood beside it, also whitewashed. The children knew the Coast Guard well. He was a red-faced, barrel-shaped man, fond of joking. 
He was nowhere to be seen when they came to his cottage. Then they heard his enormous voice singing a sea shanty in the little shed behind. They went to find him. Hello, said Anne. He looked up and grinned at the children. He was busy making something. Hello to you, he said. So you're back again, are you? Bad pennies, the lot of you. Always turning up when you're not wanted. What are you making? asked Anne. A windmill for my grandson, said the Coast Guard, showing it to Anne. He was very clever at making toys. Oh, it's lovely, said Anne, taking it in her hands. Does the windmill part go round? Oh, yes, it's super. I've been making quite a lot of money out of my toys, said the old fellow proudly. I've got some new neighbours in the next cottage, man and a boy, and the man's been buying all the toys I make. Seems to have a lot of nephews and nieces. Gives me good prices, too. Oh, would that be the man and the boy we met, I wonder, said Dick. Both tall and well-built, and the man had shaggy eyebrows. That's right, said the Coast Guard, trimming a bit of his windmill. Mr. Curtin and his son. They came here some weeks ago. You ought to get to know the son, Julian. He's about your age, I should think. Must be pretty lonely for him up here. Doesn't he go to any school? asked Julian. No, he's been ill, so his father said. Got to have plenty of sea air and that sort of thing. Not a bad sort of boy. He comes and helps me with my toys sometimes. And he likes to mess about with my telescope. I do too, said George. I love looking through your telescope. Can I look through it now? I'd like to see if I can spot Karen Island. Well, you won't see much in this weather, said the Coast Guard. You wait a few minutes, see that break in the clouds. Well, it'll clear in a few minutes, and you'll be able to see your island easily. That's a funny thing your father's built there, isn't it? Part of his work, I suppose. Yes, said George. Oh, Timmy. Look what he's done. He's upset the tin of paint. Bad boy, Timmy. It's not my tin, said the Coast Guard. It's a tin belonging to that young fellow next door. I told you he comes in to help sometimes. He brought in that tin to help paint a little doll's house I made for his father. Oh dear, said George in dismay. Do you think he'll be cross when he knows Timmy spilt it? I shouldn't think so, said the Coast Guard. He's a funny boy, though, quiet and a bit sulky. Not a bad boy, but doesn't seem very friendly-like. George tried to clear up the mess of paint. Timmy had some on his paws and made a little pattern of green paw marks as he pattered about the shed. I'll tell the boy I'm sorry if I meet him on the way back, she said. Timmy, if you dare go near any more tins of paint, you shan't sleep on my bed tonight. The weather's a bit clearer now, said Dick. Can we have a squint through the telescope? Let me see my island first, said George at once. She tilted the telescope in the direction of Kiran Island. She looked through it earnestly, and a smile came over her face. Yes, I can see it clearly. There's the tower Father has built. I can even see the glass room quite clearly. There's nobody in it. No sign of Father anywhere. Everyone had a turn looking through the telescope. It was fascinating to see the island appearing so close. 
On a clear day, it would be even easier to see all the details. I can see a rabbit scampering, said Anne, when her turn came. Don't you let that dog of yours squint through the telescope, said the Coast Guard at once. He'll try to get down it after the rabbit. Timmy cocked his ears up at the mention of the word rabbit. He looked all around and sniffed. No, there was no rabbit. Then why did people mention them? We'd better go now, said Julian. We'll be up here again sometime, and we'll come and see what toys you've done. Thanks for letting us look through the telescope. You're welcome, said the old fellow. You're not likely to wear it out through looking. Come along any time you want to use it. They said goodbye and went off, Timmy capering around them. Couldn't we see Kieran Island well, said Anne. I wish I could see where your father was, George. Wouldn't it be fun if we spotted him just coming out of his hiding place? The four children had discussed this problem a good deal since they had left the island. It puzzled them much indeed. How did it happen that George's father knew a hiding place that they didn't know? Why, they had been over every inch of the island. It must be quite a big hiding place too, if he had got all his stuff for his experiments with him. Hmm. According to George's mother, there had been quite a lot of this, to say nothing of stores of food. If Father knew a place I didn't know, and never told me about it, I think he's jolly mean, George said half a dozen times. I really do. It's my island. Well, he'll probably tell you when he's finished the work he's on, said Julian. Then you'll know. We can all go and explore it then, wherever it is. After they left the Coast Guard's cottage, they turned their steps home. They made their way along the cliff and then saw the boy they had met before. He was standing on the path looking out to sea. The man was not with him. He turned as they came up and gave them a pale kind of smile. Hello. Been up to see the Coast Guard? Yes, said Julian. Nice old fellow, isn't he? I say, said George, I'm sorry, but my dog upset a tin of green paint, and the Coast Guard said it was yours. Can I pay you for it, please? Goodness, no, said the boy. I don't mind. There wasn't much of it left anyway. That's a nice dog of yours. Yes, he is, said George warmly. Best dog in the world. I've had him for years, but he's still as young as ever. Do you like dogs? Oh, yes, said the boy. But he made no move to pat Timmy or fuss him, as most people did. And Timmy did not run round the boy and sniff at him as he usually did when he met anyone new. He just stood by George, his tail neither up nor down. That's an interesting little island, said the boy, pointing to Kieran. I wish I could go there. It's my island, said George proudly. My very own. Really? said the boy politely. Could you let me go over one day? Well, not just at present, said George. You see, my father's there, working. He's a scientist. Really? said the boy again. Uh, has he got some new experiment on hand then? Yes, said George. Ah, and the weird tower is something to do with it, I suppose, said the boy, looking interested for the first time. When will his experiment be finished? What's that to do with you, said Dick suddenly. The others stared at him in surprise. Dick sounded rather rude, and it was not like him.
Oh, nothing, said the boy hastily. I only thought that, if his work will soon be finished, perhaps your brother would take me over to his island. George couldn't help feeling pleased. This boy thought she was a boy. George was always gracious to people who made the mistake of thinking she was a boy. Of course I'll take you, she said. It shouldn't be long before I do. The experiment is nearly done. End of chapter 6